Hello, welcome to the latest episode of This Is A Thing. I'm sitting here today with Erica Spires. Erica, how are you? I'm excited to do this. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to do this with your Sunday morning where we probably could both use some sleep. Yeah, well, (laughs) no, it's great. (laughs) Wonderful. Um, So I have so many questions for you. I know some things about you from Mm -hmm. like a light internet stock and just like chatting with you. (laughs) So (laughs) let's see how these facts pan out. So you are from Missouri. Yes. From the Ozarks. From the Ozarks. Yeah. What's that like? Let's talk about that. (laughs) That's great. I'm so glad you asked. It's really interesting. It's a really interesting um, area to grow up in. Um, When I say Missouri... Typically, people will immediately think St. Louis or Kansas City, but where I came from is nothing like that. Um, You're like, did you live in the Arch, or like, are there other <laughs> places? There are other places. <laughs> um, now, we would go to St. Louis and Kansas City if we wanted to go to concerts, and that was a good three and a half hour drive. So, but that's normal in Missouri. Like, people travel. So, when I came here, and people are like, oh, that's way out in Western Mass. I'm like, uh, that's not that far away. <laughs> like, yeah. It was weird to me. But yeah, so the Ozarks, um, where I grew up, was a very small town called Mansfield. It was population 1,400. I think it's probably still around that now. Um, it was kind of an idyllic little town when I was growing up. There was a shoe factory. There was a, a variety store. There were three grocery stores. You know, one big school that was all connected. Um 11 churches oh yeah <laughs> that sounds very Midwestern. Yeah. yeah very midwestern uh but yeah you could you could kind of walk around wherever you wanted to go um I would bike around the whole town all the time and everybody kind of knew everybody my parents were both teachers in the school system so they knew who I was and my older brothers um also you know had gone before me so it was one of those towns where everybody knew your history before you even knew who they were. Yeah. How many brothers do you have? Two older brothers. Two. So, yeah. And so there's just three of you? Three of us. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So we grew up like doing, my mom started a community theater in the 70s uh, called the Ozark Mountain Players because she was like this very creative type that ended up in this very small town. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, I have to do something. And she finds talent in everybody. So she would find ways to get people like at one point our janitor Bill played Elvis in some review that she did. And I was like, <laughs> how, he great. never talked. And I was like, how did you get him to do this? <laughs> she's like, everybody can do it. Everybody can do something. Um, so we just grew up doing that kind of stuff and singing together all the time as a family. It sounds yeah. sort of like there should be a movie about your family. Hey, um, <laughs> some kind you, of if like... you know a producer. Yeah, <laughs> we are it, it. We're characters. Like I think we're all characters uh, in some form. I think they all. I think the people in town liked us. I mean, I'm sure somebody <laughs> at some point will listen to this, and I like think they liked us. But we were also weird, you know. Yeah. Like we would always have props in our front yard because we were always doing a show. I remember one time for some reason we had a. Um, we had a casket out front oh. from some show, and then it was just like left in the yard so long that Dad's like, "Let's just use this for Halloween." And then he would like pop out of it. Um, it's yeah, like a, just a large planter. That yeah, to be a casket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So my mom was just like, she got. I mean, they got us all in music lessons, and I, um, at about twelve, after I'd been playing violin, she was like, "We need to get you into fiddle lessons because, like, that's." that's what this place is known for. Like, let's, let's do it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I started playing fiddle then. So this is a dumb question, but I have to ask it cause I don't know. So what's the difference between playing violin and playing 
stupid. Oh. It's not a dumb question. Everybody okay. asks it. All right. Um, <laughs> it's the same. Um, it's just played differently. Usually, there are certain fiddles that um, where the bridge, where you know, where the um, the strings rest, where the bridge is a little flatter, mm-hmm. so that you can play more uh, more than one string at the same time okay. easier. Um, other than that, it's really just the way it's played. So when I first started learning fiddle music, my violin teacher or my fiddle teacher was like, oh, that's a good classical tune. And I'm like, what? I played the same thing you did. And he's like, it doesn't sound right. Oh, (laughs) so once I started to relax and not worry about like my arms being up in position, I just like relaxed it down and made the motion more in the wrist rather than the whole arm Mm -hmm. when I would bow. Um, you start to get a more, I don't know, it's, it's like a more, you get that folksy sound. It's a little, has a little more, you know, more raw, a little raw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they don't want typically like a really pretty sound. Um, they want you, cause it's playing fiddle music is not about accuracy really. It's about the feel of it. And it's about a culture of, of like when I would play fiddle with people, we would it would generally be a jam session so it doesn't matter what level you're at they just want you to play a tune with them and to figure it out and there's no music written so you just listen oh that sounds really fun it is and there's no pressure I mean like you might feel pressure yourself but Mm nobody is expecting anything because for all you know the guy next to you might be a really great guitarist but he's for the first time time trying to play the fiddle so there's, you know, it's like a no judgment zone unless you go in and you're like trying to like prove something. Yeah. <laughs> then they're like, oh, come on, get over yourself. Oh, that's cool. So it's kind of like a communal spirit too, yeah. it sounds like. Totally. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And there will always be food. Oh, that maybe I should pick up a fiddle. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think we need to start jam sessions like that in New England. I think people would love it. I mean, I'm sure they're somewhere, but yeah, the way that that they did it back home was it was really something and then a lot of people would just come and watch yeah that would be a good friday night right yeah you just like grab a beer watch some people play fiddle yeah everybody eats it's it's great it's a great little community thing so I love that yeah in that way my town was like really idyllic you know i didn't yeah. get a lot of traditional theater education mm-hmm. um so i've always kind of felt lacking in that like there are a lot of playwrights, for example, people will bring up and they're like, oh, you know this. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I don't know what you're <laughs> talking <do> about. <laughs> but give me a script and I'll try to read it, you know? Yeah. I don't know that that always matters like as much as we think it might, you know? I mean, yeah. it's really at the end about like what you're bringing to the table performance wise, yeah. like not whether or not, you know, like a lot about Moliere or something. Right, like, right. You know. Um, that's so cool. So I also read somewhere, so you play the trumpet, piano, and a little guitar too, But and the trumpet seems like what? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so those are really like basic, all of those, except I guess trumpet for a while I was decent at. Um, my, my dad – and mom were both mu- music teachers in our school system. So oh, okay. that's that's kind of where that came from. My mom was more theater and voice, and my dad was voice and band. And so when we reached the age where kids go into band, we had a number of instruments that my dad had in the basement. And it was like, well, well which one, one are you going to play? <laughs> You're going to have one of these. And it was either, I think I, we had like a, a clarinet and a flute and a trumpet. And I was like, I'm going to play the trumpet. 
So my brothers and I all picked trumpet. Oh, that. Oh, that's a lot for your parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they had already listened from to me like eke out violin stuff when oh, I was true. a kid, which is way worse. Mm-hmm. Um, my brothers still complain about it. <laughs> like, so, we have nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible noise. But yeah, so we did trumpet. Um, all three of us did for a while, and I did throughout high throughout most of high school, and then uh, I guess later on in high school, I kind of put it away just because. There were other things that I realized I was better at that I needed to kind of focus on. Yeah. Um, and I stuck more with violin. Do you still have one? Back home, I don't have one, like, with me. Oh, Although I should like probably bring it up. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. and so guitar, we always had a guitar in the house. And so um, when I was, like, in middle school, I started to learn some things. I'm not good at it, but I knew, you know, I learned my chords and mm-hmm. I started writing really basic crappy middle school songs oh I love it yeah (laughs) and uh piano I've taken on and off I'm I really only have that on there because I've had to play it for shows before Mm -hmm. so I can learn something for a show um because I know enough about it but I would never call myself a pianist that to me is being a pianist because I did take (laughs) piano I had to take them in college I was terrible and I know which keys are which notes, but I yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, it was always a it was it's always a tough process for me with piano because I'm like okay now I have to figure out which note this is and this staff, and then I have to like translate that to where that is the key is yeah. and then play it. So for me, it's always been a very slow process. Mm-hmm. So I can't read the piece of music, but once I have it in my head, I can figure it out in my fingers and yeah. make it sound musical. Um, it's just. I need a lot of alone time to figure it out. <laughs> yes. The right hand, left handedness of it was always, right. I was like, I, I, oh boy. Do you play instruments? <laughs> um, I play the clarinet. Um, because my mom played the clarinet and so did her sister. So awesome. I thought it was cool. And it was smaller than some of the other band totally. instruments. And I really was like picking like, what well, looks like easy to carry to school. <laughs> Well, that's why I'm glad I played violin instead of cello. My husband's yeah, oh, a cellist, gosh. and it yeah. was like, I, I remember watching him, like, drag that thing around. And you have to have a car of a certain size if you're going to play the cello, too, you know? You do. Well, my husband plays um, bass. His, well, mm-hmm. his real first instrument was actually, like, the tuba, but he doesn't like to talk about that anymore. Uh, but uh, Another big the, instrument. <laughs> yes. And so, but for a while, he played bass, and he would take, like, upright lessons. And he was taking in New Hampshire with this guy from Berkeley for a while, so, and I would go up with him sometimes, and I literally would have to sit in the back seat of the car because you, like, couldn't <laughs> right. fit us all in the <laughs> configuration. Like, so I just feel, like, stuck in the back seat, like, behind oh. him for, like, you know, an hour and a half drive. I'm like, this is insane. <laughs> My, uh, that reminds me too. I was, uh, I was in the car with my husband in, in college. So he was my boyfriend at the time and we were going to Starbucks and his cello was in the back. We were able to stick it in the back and the girl at the counter was totally flirting with him. She was like, what's that? And he's like, <laughs> oh, it's, it, it's a cello. And he was just like, so unaware. She goes, oh, I love the cello. And he's like, yeah, it's a really great instrument. And she's like, would you come and play it for me sometime? And he goes, yeah, sure. And I look at him like, what? <laughs> what are you doing? And so we pull away and I was like, Andrew, what was that? And he goes, what? I thought she wanted me to like come play at Starbucks or something. And I'm like, no, you no. are dead, man. <laughs> she was totally trying to pick you up. Yeah. Oh, no. She wants you to play like alone in her room. Yes. <laughs> like, that's really funny. 
Oh, that means he's sweet, though. He's very sweet. <laughs> he he doesn't. He's completely unsuspecting when he's when people are hitting on him. He just doesn't get it. So you met in college, both mm-hmm. playing music. Is that at yeah. Drury University? Drury, yeah. yeah. You've done your research. Uh, yeah, we met. Um, I was a sophomore, and he was a freshman. He came in cellist, um, and I was a violinist. At the time, we were both kind of in relationships, and then we were just friends for like six months we just we just hung out and uh and we both like those other relationships fizzled out and then we went on spring break together with my brother oh that's fun yeah (laughs) my brother and I were going to Chicago and we're like it was like do you want to come and it was funny because we slept in the same bed the whole time like on like you know in college you like sleep on people's air mattresses when Mm -hmm. you go visit and so we were always sleeping on the same air mattress, but we never touched, like, no part of us. We were both very separate. And it wasn't until we got back where we hadn't seen each other for a couple days. And I looked at him and I was like, I I miss you. Oh. And he's like, I miss you too. So we were so young when we met. We were 18 and 20. I'm a couple years older than he is. <laughs> so, uh, so because of that, we waited for, like, eight years to get married and because you know you go through all those changes yeah that's a lot I I agree I am often frightened if I think about I'm no judgment on anybody else because I do have lots of friends who got married younger but I'm like if I got married when I was like 24 like I don't think that would have been a good move for me you know but I knew my husband then but right no that we would have been completely different yeah I think so too because I think we started probably talking about marriage probably like a year into it like you do in college and then but that's a very different idea of what marriage is than when you get older and so we waited because it was like all right let's see what happens after we get out of college and where we end up and for a while he was thinking about going to Boston and I was I had no idea where I was going um and then I ended up coming to Boston with him and then we're like well let's see how it is in a new city and let's see how it is with grad school and eventually it was like okay well this has worked through all these yeah. places right so and it was great um we ended up getting married um about 5 years ago i i look at like that because we got married like kind of twice we got really? married yeah well we got married like in secret oh yeah cuz we had already set a date and then mm-hmm. I got like I had some health problems, so we like got married before that, mm-hmm. so that I could be on his insurance. Yeah. It was like very non romantic, so yeah. we were like, let's just like this is not the day that we were married. Like right. we're gonna use the actual day when we had the wedding, which was fantastic. So oh yeah, so we okay. kind of have two anniversaries, but we really only celebrate the one where we really had the big had to the do. big thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, you ended up you came here because Andrew was coming here first, or what? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he he got his he got accepted to like four grad schools in Boston and then one in Missouri. And we're like, well, this is our time to get out, you know, see yeah. what see what we like and just, it was really scary. Um and I was here for like a year and hated it for a year. Really? Yeah. What what was so difficult to come to terms with? Yeah. <laughs> It, there was a lack of friendliness mm-hmm. that you like you know I mean you're you're from here right so like yes. uh most New Englanders seem to know like there's it's it's it seems as a coldness it's not but like I have no idea what you're saying 
<laughs> no, I absolutely know what you're talking about. <laughs> but like in Missouri, like you're everybody's best friend immediately, which is also not great too because it's not true, right? Mm-hmm. But at least there's a facade of I'm your best friend and it makes you feel welcome when you move someplace. Yeah. So for here, it took me a while. Um, it took me, yeah, like a year until I found my theater community. Yeah. Um, where you just need a place to belong. That's all it is. Sure. Everybody needs to feel like they matter somewhere. And, and, uh, Andrew immediately had a place because he was going to Boston Conservatory. Do I need to close that door? I'm sorry. I'm watching these dogs. Oh, yes. We're, Erica's dog sitting, so they're just trying to get in on the podcast actually right now. <laughs> yeah, let's take a little mini break and we'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> so you were talking about um, just needing kind of a community here. Yeah. To and- yeah. Andrew was the best. He was like trying to make me a part of his community. But it's hard when somebody has something that's already established, you know, and he had his classmates. Um, and he's like, what do I need to do like to make you happy? I don't know what's what's going to do it for you. And um, I got I just started auditioning at. Arlington Friends of the Drama. That was my first show. I was doing um, The Mystery of Edwin Drood. And it was a lot of fun. And I met friends, people that I'm still close with today. And then they were from there like, you should audition for these other places in town. And I was like, am I good enough? I don't know if I'm good enough. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, you should totally like go to Speakeasy, audition at Speakeasy. Um, and I auditioned there for Light in the Piazza. And it was one of those, like, I didn't, I did well at the audition because I didn't expect anything. Yeah. So I just went in and I sang a song and Paul Daniel looks at me and he's like, who are you? Where did you come from? And I'm like, I just moved here. I'm from Missouri. <laughs> from Missouri. And, uh, and it worked for that character just because she was supposed to be Southern and uh, very naive. Yeah. Uh, and that fit me very well at that time in my life. <laughs> so, yeah. So that really introduced me to the Boston theater scene. And It's like, an, it's a nice little community because I feel like if I've known people that have moved here, like they're like, I don't know anybody. And I'm like, no, you're doing one show. Like, you you know half of the people now. Yeah, Because <laughs> totally. it's not that big. And I uh-uh. feel like it's pretty friendly and not like very catty or no you know there's a little competition I guess I don't even know if that's the right word to use but um like here and there but generally I feel like people are just like oh great like we're all doing stuff yeah do stuff you know yeah totally I I agree um like the first show I did I remember Will McGarrahan and Maureen Keeler and Lee Barrett all came up to me at different times and were like saying the nicest things to me and I'm like these are people who are like really important and they like me and they're so nice like um and then, like, the, it was funny. I did that, and then I did Pirates in the same year at the Huntington. At the time, I had no idea really how big the Huntington was, you know, yeah. how, how big that, that deal big was. Deal. Yeah, I was like, yeah. hey, this sounds good, but I, like, I don't know. <laughs> um, and then the next year, I didn't get cast in a thing. And I think that was really, really good for me because a lot of actors go through time. I mean, everybody goes through a time where they're not cast and then, you know, you add, you question, what am I doing yeah. with my life and uh, um and that's when Andrew my husband was like, "You have a lot of show posters. Can we like 
get frames for those and I was like why and he's like because you need to remember that you do things and oh. as soon as you're done with a show you think that's it and you're never going to work again and he's like you need to remember that this is part of who you are so we started framing those and putting them in the house we started calling that part of the house um uh what, what did he call it our hall of our hall of narcissism <laughs> um <laughs> And there just like your headshots in the center <laughs> of all of the posters. No, I think with, with candles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, just show posters and like, you know, the signatures of people. And it just makes you feel connected in a way yeah. to like, oh, I did something great. And yeah, maybe it was for just two months, but that was awesome. And maybe I'll do it again. Yeah. And, and so he's like, you just need to remember. And he would always be like, you need to celebrate the good things that you do because Growing up, I was one of those kids really that like my dad's always like, don't toot your own horn and and keep working. And yes, you've done, you know, they would be like, yeah, you did great with this. But or actually, this wasn't really my parents, but I had a coach once who was like, "Okay, so you did well at this competition, but then you have like all these others. So don't don't think about the one that you just did well with. And so in my head, I was always like, I just always have to be thinking of the next thing. And just because I was good once doesn't mean I'll ever be good again, you know, which is good for it it makes you work, but then what's the point if you never enjoy it? Yeah, yeah. There's got to be like a balance. Yeah, <laughs> in there somewhere. Yeah. I think, which I totally understand that mindset. But yeah, it's like you have to balance it out, or you just become like a bot, like a wreck, kind yeah. of all the time. You know? Yeah. yeah, and just yeah, you you totally get to the, the mindset where you're just worried about the next thing all the time. Um, so yeah, Andrew was the one who was like, you have to celebrate these things and you need to remember this um, because you're going to have times that suck. <laughs> so <laughs> like use that and f- try to fuel it with with these good memories. Yeah. And so just having like a picture reminder was really nice. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. So he he's a musician as well, mm-hmm. so, but he travels a lot. Two, yes, or um, is he mainly in New York now? He's and, mainly like, in New York now. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, his his main thing is composition. So mm-hmm. he does still play cello time to time. Um, now I like it's also nice having a composer in the house because if you need a song for auditions, Ooh. that yeah, and I'm like, um, can you change the key on this or can you change the instrumentation or whatever? And he's like, yeah, yeah, just give me a second. <laughs> Thank um, you. Yeah. <laughs> That works out really well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, no, he's in he's in New York now, and so I get to see him this weekend. I'm so excited. Yay! I thought <laughs> you both traveled around, so I was like, how do you how do you do that? Yeah, because um, I think think it's hard. I go home every night, and I yeah. still am like, I haven't seen you really in like a month. You know? So yeah, no, it is hard. Um, but I know that's part of the gig too. Like what we sign up for takes us away a lot. You know. And they're, you know, every job, no matter what the job is, I think has has its great points and it has its terrible points. And for us, what we do is really fun, or at least it should be. Yeah. Or else why are we doing it? Because um, most of us ain't, ain't in it for the money, you know what I mean? I make millions <laughs> of dollars a week. <laughs> millions. Yes. I don't know where you're getting your funding. My regular but... day job's just like for kicks, you know? <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you know, the sacrifices we make are being away, but like, but you also get to do something that brings joy to yourself, hopefully, and, mm-hmm. and to others. And um, 
you know, and he's always, because he's a musician as well, he's always understood that. Yeah, that's good. But, and then when you're together, you really try to make that time worthwhile. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I wanted to ask you, you were on the tour of once Mm -hmm. what like how was that how was that how was that audition process actually let's talk about that because you have to like sing and play violin and yeah do you like did you just have a combo audition where you have to play a musical piece and sing or yeah 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 I did so like the first audition they wanted us it was at Berkeley um and my friend Brittany Morello was like, Erica, you need to go to this. <laughs> she like <laughs> sent me this stuff. And and then I had another friend that also sent it to me. And I was like, OK, I guess I should really go to this. Um, they wanted you to accompany yourself. Oh, OK. So that's a little difficult on the violin. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, you know what? I only have a couple days to prepare for this. So I knew how to like I could do some basic chording and strumming um, singing at the same time. And then I was like, well, I'll just do an intro and an outro, you know, oh, so they can perfect. actually see that I can play. Mm-hmm. So I did that. I did a Damien Rice song. And um, and then after I did that, they seemed to like it. They said, can you come back tomorrow? And they gave me two sides in different um, dialects and then gave me a couple songs to learn. And then, yeah, that's I, I came back and I did the audition and it went well, but um, they said they didn't have a you know, any openings at the time. It was one of those like general oh, yeah. all future replacements mm-hmm. calls. And then they called me up and they're like, we, we liked you. Um, we don't have a place for you right now, but just like, what's your life like in the next year or so? And I was like, uh, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. Yeah. Like I was like, I have some regional gigs lined up, but like the Boston theater community is also very supportive. So like, give me a call and I'll see. Um, and then I was supposed to be doing Far From Heaven at Speakeasy stage. And like a week after they held all the auditions for it to fill out all the parts, I got a call from the people at once saying like, we have a callback and you need to be here, you know, on this day. So it happened very fast. Wow. I went to the callback and um, it was a movement callback. And then we had to play and sing again, basically the same thing I had done before. And then I was getting on the bus to go back to Boston. Mm-hmm. I was like on my way and I got a phone call and it said, hey, are you on your way to Boston yet? And I was like, not yet. I'm, I'm heading there. And they're like, don't get on the bus. We might need to see you again. Oh. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I didn't know if it was going to be that day or whatever, but they said, no, we need to see you tomorrow morning um, for an, a, a work session with the choreographer I was like oh crap because if anybody knows me they know that I'm like so nervous about dancing I can do it but it like makes me like to learn something on the spot is very hard for me yeah um so yeah I stayed with a friend of mine I called up my my friend Liz and I was like can I sleep at your place tonight I have to go back for an audition tomorrow and she's like yeah so uh it was like a two-hour work session with the choreographer and I think she wanted to kind of like see how we responded in a room to to like stress and learning things new and like she like made us run around the room and she made us like get really really tired and and I was like what is what are we doing you know yeah and after after looking at all of it I'm like I think she wanted to see like how we just handled that and being really tired and what kind of shape we were in and if we had a good attitude about it because we did choreography but we also did stuff to like we did running and physical activity and yeah yeah um 
And then like a couple days later, I got the call. They wanted me to go on tour. And I thought the only place that was available was um, like an understudy track. Mm -hmm. But they had two tracks that had opened up. One was understudy and one was um, the ex-girlfriend. And so they they hired me as ex-girlfriend. And I was on tour three weeks later. What? That's so fast. <laughs> it was so fast. Oh or no, gosh. wait. Yeah. So three weeks. I had three weeks to get my life together. And then I moved to New York for three weeks. And we I studied on tour for three. I, I studied with the Broadway cast for three weeks. Yeah. And then I was on the tour and practiced with them for a couple extra weeks. Um, and then I was finally on. So it was like five weeks of rehearsal, which is fantastic. Yeah. But that's, I think, because you have to sing and play and dance at the same time. That's a lot to manage. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody's terrible at it at first. It was so funny to watch all of us, I'm sure, like trying to move and play at the same time. Yeah. It just didn't work out at the beginning. I guess that's why she had to do the stress test to see, like, who's going to melt down? Yeah, like, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's that's so fast to just kind of have your life like yeah flip a little bit yeah it was that was actually really hard um when I found out I got when I got the news I was immediately excited and then terrified I'm always afraid I'm gonna get fired always in every job I do (laughs) uh and I actually I got into a car accident like a couple days later it was the stupidest car accident ever I I hit a parked car with nobody oh, in it. No. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what in the world? And I called up my friend Jerry and he's like, Erica, you're having trouble dealing with success. Like, that's what this sounds like. Yeah. He's like, we always prepare ourselves ourselves for bad news, but rarely do we know how to handle good news. Mm. And I thought that was really interesting and I found it to be quite accurate. <laughs> I think, I don't know if you have, if you struggle with this too, but I think a lot of actors do where it's like you get good news and it's immediately, oh God, oh God, oh God. Well, yeah. Like I tend to be like, what did I so- get myself into? Yeah. Like, oh no. Like now they're going to know that I, I can't do this. Yeah. The fear <laughs> of being found terrible. out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I, so I was just not thinking and I, and I hit a car and he's like, you need to be really careful and maybe don't drive right now because your brain is not able to handle all the changes. Yeah. Oh boy. So yeah, it was a little scary at first, but, um, yeah, we, um, we ended up, you know, I had a fantastic time and it was, they were a new family to me. And I think the really cool thing about the once tour is we weren't just on stage together acting, we were a band. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Cause that's a different vibe. It than, totally is. Right? You yeah. have like you have to listen to each other. You have to play together, and it. And we would do shows outside of that show. Like we would do gigs together. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So you have like little like way to entertain yourself when you're touring. Yeah. Which is a good bonding mechanism too. Absolutely. You know? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and people still play together now. Like there are people coming out with new albums and. Um, you'll find, you know, the the friends that they met on tour on their albums. That's, I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. It's great. So that was like a year and a half Yeah. Yeah. That's a long time. <laughs> yeah. It was a long time. So, um, but it, it, was, it was fantastic. I'm so glad I did it. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds incredible. Um, and then the other uh, item I want to ask you about was, I know you did Passion in mm-hmm. France. Mm-hmm. So just... 
how did that work? Because <laughs> that's so, it seems so random. It's Maybe super it's random. Not, but. No, it's super random. You're right. Um, <laughs> uh, when I was on tour with Once, my, so my, I have two older brothers. They're both singers. One of them is in Europe most of the time. And he has an agent who contacted me. And he's like, I just had a meeting with uh, the casting director at the Châtelet. And they're looking for a Clara for their upcoming production of Passion. Might you be right for this? I don't know anything about musical theater. And I was like, I think so. Yeah. And he's like, well, I can submit you if you want. And I was like, sure. (laughs) So we submitted like video and, you know, just a basic like kind of package to them. And um, then I didn't hear back for a long time. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, they want to see you. You have to fly to Paris to do it. Oh my gosh. Yep. <laughs> wow. And I was like, what? I have to fly? Yep. I was like, is there going to be a callback? Because I can't like afford to just go yeah, to Paris whenever. Yeah. And he's like, no, he's like, the way this usually works is you won't get hired unless you go there because they need to see you in person. So I was like, okay, I have to go. And he's like, but typically they don't have callbacks. It's just like one and done. Okay. So I didn't really tell many people about it because once again, I was like freaking out. Sure. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go to Paris. <laughs> I'm going to sing. I'm going to stay there like for a couple days just to get myself accustomed to like the time change so I can still sing. And then I flew right back out. Wow. So um, there were like seven girls, I think, who were all up for the role, who were all auditioning that same day. And it was cool. Like with musical theater, you know, you only get to usually do like a song maybe Mm -hmm. or a couple little cuts. They had me sing three full songs for them. You flew to Paris. I mean, can you imagine if they were like, sorry, we're cutting everybody down to eight bars. No, I know. (laughs) It would be the worst. What? (laughs) (laughs) But they, and I didn't even think of it at the time. They had like a microphone out there. And I'm like, why do they have a microphone? This is weird. And then I found out later they were recording everything to send off to Sondheim and Lapine. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. So that was cool (laughs) and scary. (laughs) And I'm glad I didn't know beforehand. Um, Yeah. So then they ended up coming to the show once I finally found out I got it. I did. It was like typical, you know, you you find out they're interested and then you don't really know anything for a month or two. And then eventually you hear that they want you. So it was, no, it was very random. I wouldn't have known about it had I not had a brother who was. There. Yeah, there and had an agent. So you met Sondheim. Yep. How was that? Let's talk about that. It was so fast, you know? And I get, like, he came back, and I think we were all expecting him to, like, say something, some words of, like, what you would think, right? (laughs) But instead, it's like, can you imagine being a person who is backstage and everybody's looking at you like, aren't you going to instill us with something just perfect and beautiful and like pressure too much pressure and he so he was just kind of quiet and I was like I don't know if I should bother him and then he asked for me to come up which was really nice and I shook his hand and you know he he told me oh it's nice to finally meet you because we had a mutual friend who was like kind of trying to you know help me get in (laughs) to the production I was like it's nice to meet you um I was like this is a huge honor obviously and I meant meeting him, and he goes, well, you did a beautiful job in the role. It's, uh, you, you, you sang it beautifully. It's a great Aww. part for you. And I was like, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> <laughs> You're even so on time. <laughs> and there's a picture of it because one of my friends, like he didn't want to take pictures um, when people were asking, but one of my friends like snapped a really quick one. So I just 
like to keep it as a reminder. That should go on your wall with the poster. It should. Yeah. I haven't done it yet, but I totally it should. It really needs to go there. That'll yeah. pick you up on a bad day. Yeah, You're totally. Like, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, the other thing, so I was reading like a little bit about uh, the Chatelet. Am mm-hmm. I saying that correctly? Mm-hmm. Um, so they do, they specialize in like English works, right? With subtitled in French. Yeah. So just that impact, the audience reaction. I mean, I realize that probably yeah. a lot of people are bilingual there anyway because yeah. it's not America. <laughs> but, You're, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, but still. Uh, um, yeah. It, I think most of them did speak English. But they did have it. Yeah, they did have it sub- subtitled. Um, there were certain things like in our production where the director's like, I don't think the French audience is going to get this. Mm-hmm. So she would try to cater it more, you know, in the way she directed it to something that that would translate a little bit better. Yeah, like but the, the French sensibility or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But it was less so about like a different word and more so about like, I'm going to focus on this part of the story, you know. Like, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So her... her Adap- not adaptation, but her her idea was very, I think, a very different kind of take on it than any other passion that's happened. So, um, and and then also, what was really cool, and I have to mention, was my costumes. They were the best costumes I've ever put on, <laughs> ever. <laughs> um, our designer was Milena Canonera, uh, which uh, she's won four Academy Awards. Oh, no big deal. And, yeah, <laughs> and she like was there every day and at my fittings and I, I, I like I couldn't have been happier she <laughs> she um one of her films was um A Clockwork Orange that was like one of her very first films I oh. think it was her first film actually wow. yeah yeah um but she's a beautiful cool lady mm-hmm. and she made me feel like a million bucks so oh that's amazing yeah so and you're in France and you're in France. It's just the whole thing's kind of romantic. It is. Yeah, yeah, it is. It was um it was an amazing experience and my husband had never been, so he got to come and spend a week with me and then my best friend from here got to come and uh, well everyone wants to they were like I'll come see your show. I know, totally. And I was so <laughs> yeah. nervous about it. A lot of people from back home were wanting to come and I was afraid because it was France and it was passion that I would be naked on stage. Oh, and so my yeah. mid- my midwestern sensibility was like, "Oh gosh, they can't come. They can't come <laughs> and see this. What if I have to be naked? I'm going to be so embarrassed." <laughs> um so a lot of them ended up not coming cuz I was like I told my mom I was like I I don't this is too much pressure for me to do this role and then also have them out in there and like I worried that they're going to be like oh our little Erica is yeah yeah is in this you know position on <laughs> stage devil's or, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> devil's pit I love that <laughs> um so my mom was supposed to come and then she got sick so oh. I know so that was kind of sad but they they did have a radio broadcast so wow. they can still listen to that and see the pictures and experience it oh that sounds amazing yeah oh Okay, on that romantic note, <laughs> um, I have a dumb game to play. Okay, great. With my amazing segues. I'm an artist, really. Um, so <laughs> I haven't named this game because I don't, I mean, my podcast is called This Is A Thing because that's how bad I am at naming things, apparently. I love it. Um, so this game, though, has little cards, as you can see. Um, you need to pick three cards. Actually, why don't you pick the three cards and then okay. I'll explain the rest of it. Okay. So um, with those three cards, um, you need to come up with an idea for some type of, 
work. So it could be like a musical, it could be a dance piece, it could be like a, an opera or whatever. Um, it, that comprises the three words. They don't have to be like in the title of the piece, but just um, a part of the story. Um, so you need to come up with a genre, uh-huh. uh, a loose storyline, and a title. Like one that exists or one that I can no, come just up, making it up out of your, just pulling it out of your head. Okay, so do I read these? Yes, please read them aloud. Hairband, Mozart, a nightclub. Well, those three kind of go together really well. So I'm gonna say, hairband. My first thought is that you're like like a like a an elastic. But I'm instead going to go with the 80s hairband idea. That's what I meant. Perfect. <laughs> but you could go the other way if you want to. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So I'm thinking it is a, it's a musical, obviously, <laughs> uh, based on the works of Mozart, where an 80s hairband decides that they want to be taken more seriously oh okay so they start singing works of mozart but with their wonderful hairband voices and instruments and they put it up at this nightclub that is getting ready to go under and their their idea is to give a rebirth to the nightclub and mozart not that Mozart really needs a rebirth, but a rebirth to his music <laughs> yes. in the 80s hairband way. Um, and it becomes a huge success. And saves the club. And yes. saves the club. Of course. I like it. Thanks. What's it called? Oh, what's it called? It's called... Oh my gosh. I want to be really creative with this, but I'm. <laughs> it's going to take <laughs> me way too long. It's called... Um, it's called Rock Me Amadeus. Yes. I'm so happy about that. That's exciting. I'm, I want to see this. Okay. That's great. Thanks, Gary. That was fun. <laughs> okay. Um, well, thank you so much for being with me today. Uh, where yeah. can people see you? I am taking a quick hiatus for a couple months, and I'll be back at the lyric stage uh, doing Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf uh, in January. Oh, fun. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. Guys, go see this stuff. It's good. Um, and one last thing to put you on the spot. Oh, you also have a website too, right? Yes. EricaSpires.com. That's right. Uh, go to that site. Look around. It's nice. And there's pretty pictures of Erica because she's, <laughs> she's pretty. Oh. And they're pretty photos. Um, so last thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't have a sign-off line for my podcast. I just put everyone on the spot uh, to come up with one. Past ones, I'll give you an unsuccessful one that I came up with myself, was Keep It Classy, Boston. Oh. Uh, not my best. Um, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, yeah, So what do you got? What do you think? Um, it's, it's Wicked Good. It's a w- <laughs> Wicked Good podcast. See you next week. I like it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Erica. Thanks. Bye. Bye.